welcome back to the monumental, the epic, the absolute historical event that is the Hex Drinkers Podcast, episode 50. The semi-centennial, some might call it. Some might call it two episodes off of a entire year worth of podcasting. Some um, might call it episode L for the Roman numeral. I hope no one calls it episode L. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't come want, out. <laughs> I don't want episode L. It's episode L. <laughs> Episode W, my boys. Anyway, just so the just so the listeners know that to do a W, Julian just put an L on his forehead and then a backwards L next to it. <laughs> no, 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 honey, these are not. L's. I, you were like this. These were it, L's. It, there was like it was more of a square. You gave yourself little horns. What we were we were playing the, a little uh, field we were goal, playing like a paper, little paper, yeah, paper football, yeah. Anyway, God, we're back. Fiftieth <laughs> episode, and what else would we be doing? than brewing a fucking commander deck. That's all we know how to do. Could have seen it coming. If there's one thing that these 50 episodes have shown us, there's only one thing that we know how to do. And not even that good at it. We're not even that good at it. (laughs) But we're acceptable enough that we can keep going. We're doing a group brew. Woo! Yep, we've done several group brews before. And uh, Crimson Vow just came out, but we said we don't want to talk about any of those commanders right now. Maybe later we will. Uh, We want to do a throwback, and we want to do a group brew... That we've done once before, where we pick a partner, specifically a partner from the Commander Legends set that we are so fond of, and then we each pick a separate partner to go with that partner, and we all do a group brew around that set that we picked. Chev, who was our our base partner, the one that everyone had to utilize? So in honor of our double stay on Innistrad this past fall, we chose to take one of the Legends, uh, one of the ones that really became a face of Commander Legends, and that is Halana Kessig Ranger. A four mana three four, uh, green with reach, and whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay two generic. When you do, that creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature. So looking around in the notes, it seems like we have a, a luckily and very interestingly a bunch of different takes on you know how to make that effect work, uh, and I'm I'm excited to kind of get into it. Yeah, I, I think we have covered all the colors, which is Ooh. a first for sure. Excellent. Good for us, you know? Deserve a cookie. Yeah. Eric, you put your notes in last, so why don't you go first? Sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I will be honest, I just put the, the deck name in last, but uh, it is Alana Kessig Ranger and Livio Oathsworn Sentinel. So the game plan here is uh, we're going to build a big mana base with a lot of mana doublers and a lot of good ramp, and then we're going to use Livio's ability to exile a bunch of our creatures, all of which have quality ETBs and are reasonably well statted. Then we're going to tap Livio, return them all to the battlefield all at once, and then, uh, for the ones where it makes sense, we'll activate Halana's ability so that they can fight, break through the lines, and then uh, hopefully clear up the field of any other problematic creatures. Meanwhile, at the same time, we're going to have creatures like Avis and Angel of Hope that are going to make our board indestructible, uh, things that are going to make it a lot harder for our creatures to die. Yeah, just generally build around the plan of having a very tough board then blink it in and out a bunch of times with a group of quality Selesnia ETBs. As well as some colorless cards like Duplicate, which just bangs in this deck. Did we read Livio? Okay, no. One and a white. <laughs> He's a human knight. He's a 2-2 with partner. His two abilities are one and a white, choose another target creature, exile it with an Aegis counter on it. Uh, its controller may exile it with an Aegis counter on it, to be clear. So you can pick your opponent's creatures, and they may choose to have them exiled. 
Or if you're into it, a giant, you could pick your partner's creatures and they could choose to have them exiled. That's much more likely. Livio also has uh, two and a white tap, return all exiled cards with Aegis counters on them to the battlefield under their owner's control. Oh, nice. So we're going to tuck a bunch of creatures under Livio, return them all to the battlefield, and then as they enter, Halana will trigger for each one, asking us if we want them to fight. And uh, with creatures like Faux Razor Regent that benefit off of fighting and other creatures fighting, we'll get a bunch of really nice stuff going on, hopefully. So just a quick clarification as well. Halana is not fight. It's just deal damage too. So ah. you don't need to worry about your creatures also getting hit. Mr. Avison, uh, Angel of Hope in your deck list. I did fully misread the card. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Fighting isn't that core. Faux Razor Regent is actually the only fight synergy we have, but... Yeah, this means that we you can swap a couple cards out of my deck, which I will do, uh, and focus more on just really winning those trades and having quality ETBs. Well, that kind of leads perfectly into what I did, because I a, a key synergy of my deck is the fact that we, we're not actually fighting, and we, and we, yes, and we are dealing the damage. Eric, you're talking about how you want to build up a big board so that no one can get through you. I want to build up a small board, but I just don't want my opponents to have any creatures, because... I am playing a Golgari deck where I'm pairing Halana with Falthus, Shadowcat Familiar, who is a two and a black. Commanders you control have Menace and Death Touch. So Falthus as well as Halana will both have Menace and Death Touch when they're both out. Now, of course, Halana does not trigger on her own ability, but Falthus, when he comes in, if Halana's already out, will trigger. And I am playing a bunch of Death Touchers. So when all my creatures come in, and generally they're very cheap creatures too, so we can always try and activate Halana, uh, we will be quote-unquote biting uh, our opponent's creatures, and since we have Death Touch, that will promptly kill them and uh, make way so that even though we're playing a bunch of 1-1s and 2-2s, we can just get in, uh, no worry. And then the rest of my deck is basically ways to make sure that we're continually playing a bunch of our cards because they are a little underwhelming, the creatures in general, and uh, we're also getting paid off for when things die. Usually our opponent's creatures, but, you know, we've got almost 40 creatures in this deck, so we're more than happy to attack willy-nilly, and generally people don't want to block, but if they do, uh, we'll get paid off for our creatures dying as well. Julian, you're running Hornet Queen? I do. I have Hornet Queen in the sideboard, just because I was trying to keep the curve pretty low, but Hornet Queen is definitely a quality include. So that's five etbs there <laughs> it's true the thing is right when you play hornet queen that's seven mana yeah. and then you would have to pay an additional 10 all i'm saying is maybe run four or five mana doublers in your deck come back to me. <laughs> true i don't think that's exactly the spirit of what this deck wants to do but it's certainly a way that you could take it i mean I, you should be running hornet queen i'm sure you are so. i am <laughs> exactly yeah wonderful wonderful but yeah that's the core Game plan behind my deck. I'll talk about, obviously, specific cards later, but who, who wants to go next and explain what they're doing? I'll go. So, I am running Halana alongside Bruce Tarl, the Boorish Herder. Uh, you don't need to know what Bruce Tarl does. All you need to know is that it costs two and a red and a white, uh, because I wanted red-white in the identity. <laughs> uh, there is pretty much no synergy with Bruce in the rest of this deck, but he is just a quality guy. You know, e ETBs give something double strike and lifelink in it every time he attacks. Um, the reason I wanted the red and white so badly is because my deck is all about not just playing big creatures and sort of like having them butt heads with our opponent's creatures. Um, it's going to be a lot of times about dealing damage to our own creatures uh, to trigger one of many abilities, <laughs> uh, such as Enrage, 
uh, being one of them. Uh, Julian or Eric mentioned Hornet's Queen. We got Hornet Nest in here. Um, whenever it takes damage, create uh, that many one-one flying insects with death touch. Uh, so little little blasphemous act equals thirteen bees coming at you. Or just straight up burn our opponents out. Um, we've got a ton of punching bags in here. I, I sort of made this like a like ringside themed. Halana and Bruce are your seconds. You got the target dummies like you know the um, the stuffy doll, your brash taunter, uh, and then some of them which aren't so hardy like Boros Reckoner and Mog Maniac. Uh, but you know, <laughs> um, so yeah, there's sort of a number of different ways the game plan can go. Obviously, you're still playing a lot of big creatures. A lot of them do fight because not that there's specific synergy with Halana herself uh, in terms of fighting, but because uh, we like our creatures taking damage, and we have ways to turn them into punching bags with some of our equipment. And yeah, so you can win by just fighting all your opponent's creatures to death, or burning them out with a really, a really gnarly brash taunter. Damn. Nice. That's a pretty sick plan. As I said before we started... I almost went with a very similar plan, uh, including a lot of cards like uh, where Ancients Tread and uh, the other one where when a creature ETBs, it just does straight damage to face. Uh, Warstorm Surge. Warstorm Surge, thank you. Trevor, what do you got going on? So I kind of, all those ideas sound nice. I kind of took a little bit of each. Um, I am doing Halana Kessig Ranger and Brynlin the Moon Kraken. Brynlin is another one of those Commander Legends uh, uncommon partners. Uh, so these could be the commanders of your next favorite PDH deck. Brynlin is an 8-mana 6-8. Uh, when Brynlin enters the battlefield, or whenever you cast a spell with convert mana cost 6 or greater, you may return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. And it's blue. So, you can probably get a pretty good idea of where this is going. We're playing big, beefy boys. They're going to hit, you're going to bounce something, you're going to kill something else, and you're going to have a lot of fun doing it. So, kind of like Eric's deck, there's a bit of a uh, blink sub-theme. Uh, we've got things like Conjurer's Closet going on, things like Mimic Vat, uh, ways to kind of produce these creatures because while Brynlin cares about casting, Halana doesn't, as <laughs> Eric also uh, alluded to. So we just keep bringing these th same things back to deal as much damage as possible. Uh, another big theme, of course, is six mana-ish, where we have cards that their mana value is much higher than six, but you're usually casting them for much less. So this is going to be the Delve mechanic. This is going to be the cards from the Mastery Cycle from recently Strixhaven, or things like Summoning Trap, you know, when you're feeling a little crazy. So trying to get in there with as, as little possible mana spent to trigger Brynlin and just keep your opponent's cards where they belong, in their hands and not bothering you. And then lastly, the thing we focus on is the big creatures themselves. So this is a green-blue deck. We're going to be doing dumb green-blue things. Normally this is Julian's domain, but I decided to try and take a, a stab at it this week. So we've got things like Agent of Treachery, Avenger of Zendikar, Duplicant, uh, all these things that really benefit from multiple ETBs and also happen to have 6-plus converted mana cost to trigger Brynlin. So that's really what we're doing here. We've got the Blink, the six mana bounce, and big nasty green creatures. Uh, and we got a little bit of Hornet Queen action going on because we care about cool Death Duck creatures, unlike some of us. <laughs> no hidden tricks, nothing else. We're just going in, smashing things, and you're leaving everything else to uh, the wind. Bro, I got nothing but cool Death Touch creatures. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I actually had too many cool Death Touch creatures. I actually had to cut some. So that I could put lands in my deck. Who needs those? You you only need 32, right? <laughs> lands don't sound like they have death touch. That's exactly... Listen, I'm only running 35, Ooh. which is very low for, for me. Chev, I actually... I'm mad that you're calling shots out at me because I actually put you in my deck. 
Brian. <laughs> um, I'm actually a Cheville. Oh, this Cheville. Is, this, is, this is this is this is jumping ahead a little bit. I was like, Brian doesn't go in green black. I'm a little confused. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm talking about so this, one one of the one of the I alluded to, you know, obviously as we're killing creatures, uh, we're, we want to get paid off for it. Uh, well, Cheville is one of those payoffs. He's Cheville Bane of Monsters. He's a, a green and a black for a legendary creature, human rogue. He has death touch. So when he comes in, he's already going to kill something. And he's a good blocker. And he's a one three too. So he's not. We have a lot of one mana one ones with death touch in this. Um, you know your your typhoid rats, your your foul Mario knights, your your moss vipers. But uh, Cheville, at the beginning of my upkeep, if our opponents control no permanents with bounty counters on them, I get to put one on them, uh, either a target creature or a planeswalker. An opponent controls, and then whenever a permanent opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, we get three life and we draw a card. So we're going to be killing a lot of creatures. Uh, we can put bounty counters on the ones that need to go. We kill them and then we get paid off for it. So it's great. And plus that uh, life buffer is actually real nice because like I said, we're not exactly creating an army out here. We got a bunch of little little, little small people, but if some people come through and they're like, we're just going to trample, we got a problem though. <laughs> another, another another good one is a uh, Skullwinder, uh, which a lot of people know because it's the it's the political eternal witness. When it enters, uh, we return a card from our graveyard and uh, an opponent returns a card from their graveyard, but it's also just got death touch. And um, of course we've got, like I said, the classics like uh, Vampire of the Dire Moon, and then a lot of like Flash Death Touchers, uh, Ambush Viper, Blacklands Paragon, Dire Fleet Poisoner, um, all ways that for two mana at instant speed, you can kill a creature. Well, I guess four mana at instant speed, two mana for the uh, creature, and, and two mana for Holana's ability. You can kill a creature and then also probably surprise block a creature. So ain't nobody safe out in these streets. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Julian, as soon as I saw your theme for this, I was just like... The first thing I thought of was, like, I really hope this guy put Finn the Fang Bearer in this deck, because this is exactly where he belongs. And you did. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> You've done yeah, you it. You know we got the, uh, like I said, we have we have 39, actually we have 41 creatures, including our commander in this deck, and basically everyone's going to have Death Touch. So, you know, if we, if we clear enough creatures and we have Fang out, Finn out, we can definitely come through and kill an opponent or two. Um, you know, if we get lucky on how the, how the board state shakes out. So, yeah, that is that is certainly a win con. Is anyone else running Panharmonicon? I'm not, but I am running Stryonic Resonator. Uh, but Panharmonicon seems like a great idea, because it essentially does the same thing. <laughs> We're just, just yeah, looking to copy that triggered ability. <laughs> and it's free. Uh, true, true. And so, yeah, I, I'm very excited, if I ever play this deck, to drop a Hornet Queen... A, make eight one one green insects with that touch, and then B have eighteen triggers of Halana's ability. Asking if I want to wipe the board. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, True. we do. Uh, which again <laughs> is why I'm running several mana doublers. <laughs> I have to. Yeah, I have to ask what what are these mana doublers <laughs> are running, and how often are you going to have just near infinite mana? I, I want to know what what's like. What's the math going on? Yeah. Here? So. I'm running Dictative Karametra, uh, which is 3, 2 green. Whenever a player taps a land for mana, add an additional mana. Uh, that one's great because it has flash, and so you can flash it in the turn before, uh, like, the end step of the turn before you. So you are the first one to benefit off of it, which is huge. Uh, additionally, Heartbeat of Spring, which is 3 mana for the same effect. You're not the first one to benefit off of it, but it's cheap, which is good. Mirari's Wake, absolute classic. Down to five dollars. If you don't have one, get one. That's true. <laughs> and then uh, Zendikar Resurgent, which helps refill our hand because 
ideally with all these mana doublers, we're going to be moving through our hand pretty quickly. So with 29 creatures in the deck, this will hopefully help keep things moving. So Eric, I, I do see a lot of symmetrical mana doublers in here. What what deck was it that you ran that last had symmetric mana doublers and how, how did it go again? Uh, well, it was the Kamigawa deck. Ah, right. Uh, so it had other a- issues. Because I was remembering, I was seeing that Heartbeat of Spring and I was like, I don't think this went well last time. Yeah, so, well, you know, I'm, just just be a little careful, you know, if you're if you're running these, that if everyone else has their Halana deck too at game night, it's it's not going to be just you yeah. <laughs> who gets to smash the board. <laughs> I did drop Heartbeat of Spring turn three in a Kamigawa tribal deck, which was a bad plan. However, <laughs> in this deck, I think we'll benefit a lot more from it. No one's no one's running all the aggressive one drops and all the swords. <laughs> Yeah, like some scrub. <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> anyway, Oak, what did you want to say that was about this podcast? I just wanted to run this one card by you. Uh, it's a pretty good mana doubler that I'm a big fan of because it's got one of my favorite mechanics uh, sort of intertwined. Uh, Regal Behemoth, six mana, trample. Ooh. When it enters the battlefield, you become the monarch. Uh, and while you're the monarch, essentially all your land mana is doubled. <laughs> yeah, I will yep. be adding that because... I always forget about Regal Behemoth, because whenever I think mana doubles, I default to enchantments and the Praetor that doubles your mana, which no one likes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, let's be clear. Uh, That's not the part that no one likes about that Praetor, Eric. What's the (laughs) other part of that Praetor? Uh, Something, something. Other people have problems. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I've never personally experienced this. (laughs) (laughs) To me, that card just says, double your mana, someone discards at least one card. (laughs) so uh i'll I'll jump into some of the stuff with with my deck next so kind of as i I went over in the intro we're playing big creatures and then we're trying to hit them with the halana triggers so i kind of mentioned a couple of those agent of treachery avenger of zendikar and duplicate and these are these are really good and like eric sec we're really focused on those etbs especially with um including thassa uh the new one thassa deep dwelling in here as well as all those other ones mentioned so while white has a lot of you know instant speed blink effects and the new card from afr uh blink usually has a home in blue for like permanents that are the ones doing it as well so between thassa deep dwelling um i know julian especially but i'm sure oakley uh can remember standards past where thassa deep dwelling and agent of treachery made for a fun time for everyone involved Ah! Or a uh, Thassa Deep Dwelling and a Terastodon just continuously smashing everything on the board. And that's really what this deck is trying to do. Because, of course, when Terastodon, as one example, comes down, you're going to get a trigger of a 9-9 being able to hit something. So while this deck might not have the sort of get in and get out of Julian's deck with the Death Touch creatures, this just assumes it's going to stomp on something and that thing isn't going to be around anymore. I do want to focus on a couple cards I briefly mentioned which were cards that you are not casting for their full mana value. And because this is just a useful thing to have for any deck um, that may care about mana cost or because they're powerful abilities. So a lot of people are familiar with the Delve cards. Uh, Treasure Cruise, obviously, Dig Through Time is another one. But Ethereal Forager is a, a newer Delve card. I believe it was in one of the Commander Precons from 2020. Uh, it's a 6-mana 3-3. Three, three. So we're not really getting in with the Halana trigger here. But it has Delve flying and whenever ethereal forager attacks you may return an instant or sorcery card exiled with ethereal forager to its owner's hand so you get to kind of benefit from that delve trigger uh you're getting in you've bounced something you get back your uh, counter spell you get back your ramp spell whatever this can be played really early as well and is a solid option for 35 cents the other card in this sort of like 
idea of cards you can cast for less is the mastery cycle um, from Strixhaven. Now I play the black one, which is I think like kill a spell or kill a creature. If you pay two mana as opposed to four, your opponent draws a card. Um, but the green one, Verdant Mastery, is criminally underplayed. A six mana, but you may pay four mana rather than pay its mana cost. So for that four mana, you get to search your library for up to four basic land cards, reveal them, put one of them into the battlefield tapped under an opponent's control if you paid the four. Then put two of them onto the battlefield tapped under your control and the rest into your hand, then shuffle. So the difference is if you're paying six, you put two to hand, two to field, shuffle. If you pay four, it's one to an opponent, but just give them something dumb that they don't have the colors for. <laughs> two to field, one to hand, shuffle. So you're getting insane amounts of value for that mana. You're getting to pull lands out of your deck at a rate that is much higher than an Evolving Wilds or a mi Migratory Path. And it still hits that six mana barrier for things that care about it, like Brian Lynn, like uh, Oakley's partner deck that we saw at one point with the uh, Galanra. Is that the one? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't see Galarna in here, Chev, actually, now that you mention it. <laughs> well, she, eh, she didn't seem that great compared to, um, you know, Woodfall Primus and Thorn Mammoth. So it certainly maybe, costs a lot less. <laughs> yeah, but we've got the, uh, since we're in blue-green, we can do whatever we want. We've got oh, all the right, ramp spells. We've got all that. Yeah, you forget the, the green part of blue-green, yep, and it, it causes all kinds of problems. So <laughs> we're doing that kind of stuff. Um, those are some cards that are really beneficial to what we're doing, and they're also good for, for decks in general that care about higher mana cost cards. Uh, Chev, since you're also running like somewhat of a blink strategy and somewhat of a higher-end strategy, you know what's a great six-plus mana card? To have entered the battlefield multiple times in one turn. What's that, Eric? That's Craterhoof Behemoth, baby. Oh, dang. <laughs> You've heard of one Craterhoof Behemoth, but have you heard of second Craterhoof Behemoth? No one expects the second Craterhoof. <laughs> I also appreciate, uh, if you make a deck right now because of the children's child's play? No, that's Desert Bus. Whatever the secret layer was that Wizards did recently, the cheapest Craterhoof you can buy is the one with the children's art on it. So not only are we talking a second crater hoof, we're talking a second crater hoof of a white background, purple drawn creature with a yellow scribble. You're going to be taken out by the beautiful art of, I think it's Kira. I can't tell on the thing. Kira, age five and a half. Yeah. Shout out to her. Um, <laughs> Reckon days. It loves to eat all things crispy, crunchy, and cheddar flavored. Bruh. Don't we all? Oh, yeah. Me too. Crater, crater hoof out <laughs> here with the incredible food opinions, but yeah. I'm running cards like Eerie Interlude, Ephemerate, um, uh, oh, like Conjurer's Closet, effects like that. You got a Teleportation um, Circle? Yep, Teleportation Circle. You got Eldrazi displaced yeah. in there. I hope you, uh, you're you going to run some colorless I mana. I forgot lands. that that required colorless <laughs> mana, so thankfully, <laughs> I believe I have a single soul ring, but I do need to adjust that. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, <laughs> the mana base is yeah. very colorful. Um, so <laughs> that will probably be updated because I, I promise I did prep work for this week. I just, I had a busy week. Reading cards. Uh, Who has time? Straight you know? up, not me. I was on the road for <laughs> like eight hours today. That's just driving, not even being on site. I hope you spent that eight hours listening to the Hex Drinkers podcast. You know what? I was listening to the Hex Drinkers podcast recently, uh, and I was listening to Julian talk about how bad Ram Calorus is, because I almost put him in this deck, but the thing is, <laughs> I want my creatures to actually take damage and not have that damage be prevented. <laughs> Except for Rem, because damage isn't prevented for him for some reason. So, yeah, talk about my deck a bit. Um, I, I went over briefly some of like the target dummies we got. Uh, you know, Stuffy Doll, uh, of course. All these creatures that uh, deal damage to 
whenever to something whenever they take damage themselves, ideally to, uh, probably to a player if, if you're casting like a Star of Extinction uh, for, you know, hitting everything for 20 damage, you're going to want to be dealing 20 damage to someone's face. Or, you could do 20 damage to any, everyone's face uh, if you have a coal hauler swine out, <laughs> which includes yourself, <laughs> by the way, unfortunately. Yeah. Or, you could do 20 damage times the number of creatures you have to everyone's face if you have an ill-tempered loner flipped over to a Howl Pack Avenger. Uh, Chev? Werewolf? Yeah. Yes. Very oh, that nice, is very that nice. is in Tovalar. There is a quite a big purchase that will be happening for Tovalar after uh, yes. Val. Very good, very good. So, um, besides just creatures that uh, do damage when they get hit, we got a few punching bags, uh, I'll call them as well. The creatures that do other things. One I mentioned before was Hornet's Nest. Uh, but we also got Polyraptor, which just makes a copy of itself. Uh, so even if that thing dies, you know, you just got another Polyraptor afterwards, because, uh, you know, after it takes damage, get that other Polyraptor. Very nice. Uh, another Raptor, Ripjaw Raptor, draw a card every time it gets damaged. Nice. Um, Flumph. Mm. Flumph. <laughs> you love Flumph. <laughs> uh, draw, you and target opponent, draw a card whenever it takes damage. Very nice. Oh, is that a little, little politicking? Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. the first politics card I've ever seen in an Oak deck. Well, besides Sabala <laughs> Stampede, that that's not, not really politics. That doesn't count. We all know that's not a political card. <laughs> um, There's no need to lie. It's a political card in that when you play it, Everyone then says, we must kill this man. <laughs> That's true. It plays politics for your opponents. And fun fact, it costs six mana, so. Ooh. Uh, mm. Jeff, you running that bad boy? <laughs> this deck will never see play in uh, paper from me until that card's removed. But if you're playing it, you should play Jesus it. Jesus Christ. So yeah, we uh, um, besides just the punching bags, well, there's sort of like a, a similar... Uh, Shit, I worded that all wrong, whatever. Um, we've got sort of like, some of our creatures can become surrogate punching bags with uh, two pretty sweet enchantments <laughs> that we uh, got. We can and, punch and actually them if both, we want. <laughs> yeah, both very recent sets. Um, in Commander Legends, we got Blazing Sunsteel, which is an equipment uh, that gives a cr whatever creature it's equipped to plus one plus oh for each opponent you have. But, more importantly, whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to any target. So, yeah. Um, Fiend Lash from AFR, very similar. Equipped creature gets plus two plus O and has reach. Very cool, looks like the Threaded Cane from Bloodborne. Um, whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, it deals damage equal to its power to target player or planeswalker. So we probably don't want to put that on, uh, a Brash Taunter, for example, because it's got, you know, one power. But, uh, on maybe something much larger that maybe also fights something, like, uh, Gargos, Vicious Watcher, or Kogla, Titan Ape, or... The Tarask. <laughs> um, any of those any of those would probably be good. The Tarask would be nasty. Tara Taraski nasty. Naxky. Okay. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, you got a um, Thorn Mammoth in there? Oh, you know I got Thorn Mammoth mm, in here. Brawl All-Star. We put one of these things on him and he's just fighting everyone. He's taking all kinds of damage. But So we got a lot of these creatures, right, that, that take damage, but not all of them have that nice, like, indestructible, like, stuffy doll and Brash Taunter, so we gotta have, like, the medical staff sitting ringside just in case anything bad happens. I'm, I'm ready for the eye-rolling. Best creature in the game, Selfless Spirit. He's in here. Alright, shut it down. Ofri That's it. The pod's Ofri Ghost over. Forge. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Oak ruined it for the rest of the Alright, alright. The fucking Hofri Ghost Forge um, brings all your creatures back as spirits as soon as they die, and then they get exiled. 
after, but whatever. It's another ETB for Halana. Gerard, which does a very similar thing. Promise of Tomorrow, which does a very similar thing. And of course, spells that give our creatures indestructible, like Boros Charm, Heroic Intervention, Flawless Maneuver, and Rapid Vigor, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Last sort of shout out I want to give, or just big category of cards in this deck, is the Board Wipes. I've mentioned a few, but they're all damage dealers. Blasphemous Act, Chain Reaction, Star of Extinction, uh, a couple smaller ones, Deafening Clarion, and Sweltering Suns. And um, just for flavor, I guess, we got Solar Blaze. Each creature deals damage equal to its power to itself. And Justice Strike, target creature deals damage equal to its power to itself. <laughs> Alright, well, yeah. Oak's out here trying to hurt everybody, clearly from doing all this damage and also playing selfless spirit, but I'm, I'm here to help everybody specifically in, in, I want to talk about a category of cards. That's, death touch. Death touch. That's death. a, yeah. Bes besides the fact that I just, I want to kill all your creatures. Um, I'm talking more from a deck building standpoint, helping everybody mm -hmm. because we're all in green. Obviously we're playing, we're all playing Halana. Um, but if you are want to play Halana, no matter what other partner you choose, you're probably going to want a bunch of these cards because you're going to want a very creature heavy deck. Obviously you want to trigger Halana as many times as possible. And the way to really keep that momentum rolling keep those wheels turning is by playing uh cards like beast whisperer uh so that's four mana two three whenever you cast a creature spell draw a card basically the same text uh primordial sage um soul the harvest whenever a, another creature etbs draw a card also those last two are uh six mana so six chaz, mana. those go mm -hmm. yeah those go in yours we got them we got them soul the harvest um, also works with tokens notably or no does not work with tokens sorry but does work with creatures you don't cast is what i meant to say Yes, I swear you, to God, I can yes. read. If you if you blink or reanimate, <laughs> that works. Um, we've got Lifecrafter's Bestiary, which is an artifact that uh, scries at the beginning of your upkeep, and whenever you cast a creature spell, you can pay green, uh, draw a card. So it's it's cheaper than all those other ones, but um, you have to pay every time. And then since I'm running so many creatures that generally people don't want to block or might not have blockers because we killed them all, um, if you're playing things like uh, Toski Bear of Secrets, who I hate the squirrel, but listen, whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, uh, draw a card. Uh, that's all of your creatures. So if you attack with five creatures and they're all unblocked, that's five cards. Uh, same thing with Oran Frostfang, which also, in case you're not playing Death Touch Tribal, it gives all your attacking creatures Death Touch. Uh, so that's pretty good. And then lastly, I want to uh, call out two cards that are specific to my deck. Harvester of Souls, whenever any creature dies, uh, you just draw a card. Whenever another non-token creature uh, dies, but that triggers on your opponent's stuff. So uh, when your creatures come in, uh, they might draw a card from your Soul of Harvest, and they might also draw one from your Harvest of Souls, which uh, those are purposely, like, foils of each other. And then uh, Death Reap Ritual, which is an enchantment for two green-black that says just Morbid at the beginning of each end step, each end step, notably. So if you have Flash creatures, which we do, I already talked about them, um, if a creature died this turn, uh, you may draw a card. So like I was saying, Halana deck, you want to be playing as many creatures as possible, and the best way to play as many creatures as possible is to play creatures which draw you cards which are probably creatures something else you can do uh is kodama the east tree another commander uh legend standout six mana also uh but of course whenever a permanent enters the battlefield under your control if it wasn't put onto the battlefield with this ability you may put a permanent card with equal or lesser converted mana cost onto the battlefield so we're in green we get to cheat uh play your first creature fight something get to play your second creature and only pay the fight cost even if it's something massive that is something um, that is perfect for this kind of strategy. It doesn't refill your hand, but it does get you on double triggers, hit the battlefield, and, you know, keep running. Additionally, another card that falls in this category is one of my mana doublers, Zendikar Resurgent. Uh, I mentioned it earlier, but whenever you cast a creature spell, draw a card. So that doesn't work with our uh, Livio Blinks, but we still have 
30 creatures. Uh, we still have two commanders. We're going to be casting a fair number of creatures, so it should work out well. Julian, did you mention Guardian Project in there? I know it's no, you're running it, but... Ooh, I'm also running uh, it. But... I forget if I said it or not, but I, I... Yeah, it's in the deck. I put it in my notes. I might have I might have skipped over it in you favor skip of it. the uh, actual creatures. Yeah, that is also a very good one. Uh, that one, I think, is kind of getting up there. Yeah, that's a $12 yeah, card. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. <laughs> I would like to keep going because I want to talk about how I'm now... I, I'm, I was talking about spreading the love. Now I want to talk about how I'm spreading the, spreading the slug. Uh, how we're actually Spread winning. The... Exactly. We're... Uh, we're we're winning. How how we're gonna win? Uh, we got we got burn, but it's 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 black burn. We got uh, dreadhound, so that's actually just from uh, mid. Uh, not a wolf, a demon dog. Um, when it enters, you mill three, th- whatever, sure. But whenever a creature dies or a creature card is put into a graveyard from a library, so in case you mill or your opponent's mill, uh, each opponent loses one life. It's also just a six six. So we're gonna be killing a lot of creatures. People are gonna be taking damage. Uh, same thing with Sir Conrad. Uh, we talked about him uh, several times on the pod, but same thing. Whenever a creature goes into a graveyard from pretty much anywhere, uh, Sir Conrad deals the damage to each opponent, and you can also pay one in a black to make everyone mill one. Uh, we've also got cards like, obviously, if you want to play Blood Artist, Zulaport Cutthroat, uh, you can put those in. They are less exciting than uh, Sir Conrad, but they're also you know much cheaper mana-wise. I talked about Finn the, Finn the Fang Bear, and we've got uh, Revel and Riches in there. Basically, if you have any deck that's killing a lot of things or sacking a lot of things, uh, Revel and Riches should go in there. But of course, it would not be a Julian deck if it, I did not put in Triumph of the Hordes. Because, you know, there's nothing better than when people don't have any blockers, just hitting them with a bunch of 1-1s for lethal. <laughs> Pseudo-lethal. One more card, uh, because this could be oh, this also could be an alternate partner as opposed to playing Falthus, because... Most of our creatures have Death Touch anyway, so the only people getting Death Touch are Halana and Falthus from that. Uh, you can play Sengir the Dark Baron. He is another, mm. once again, partner from Commander Legends. He's a six-mana 4-4 four, four flyer. Whenever another creature dies, you put two 1-1 counters on him. Um, so a lot of creatures are going to be dying. He's going to beef up very good. And then also, whenever another player loses the game, you gain life equal to that player's life total as the turn began. So this is an alternate partner, but he costs six mana. So, Spicy. you know, like I was saying, I tried to keep this... Uh, uh, lower curve generally nice overall sounds like a very cool day all right i'm done okay <laughs> thank you anyway uh yeah i just wanted to talk about a couple of the etbs i have in here which i think are very cool uh starting at the bottom for no particular reason uh yashar and implacable earth certainly has uh like the static effect of sort of preventing people from using fetch lands and uh just being a, re- a very strong hate bear but also does have the first line which is uh etb Grab a basic forest and a basic plains, put them both in your hand. So it is a card worth blinking, and it's a 4-4, so uh, with Alana's ability, it can take down some reasonable stuff. Uh, Wood Elves is another great card to blink. Whether or not it's actually going to do anything by fighting creatures doesn't really matter when it's helping thin your deck and grab some quality lands. Uh, Sun Titan is a ETB that grabs ETBs, which is just straight up good. Uh, I really like Duplicate in this deck. I mentioned it earlier, but... It's just super strong because you can line the ETBs up so that it kills their largest or exiles their largest creature, gains its stats, and then punches their second largest creature, making it a very strong two for zero in in your favor. (laughs) Crater of Behemoth is sort of a dream scenario in terms of blinking creatures. Bane of Progress is another one that can be very powerful if you blink it at the right time. Um, uh, Druid of Purification. Uh, It is three and a green. When Druid of Purification enters the battlefield, starting with you, each player may choose an artifact or enchantment you don't control, destroy each permanent chosen this way. This is 
uh, it's a 2-3. So it is 4 mana, destroy 4 artifacts or enchantments you don't control. It really doesn't matter what your opponents choose because it's just good value. And then with Panharmonicon and Blinks, this can be almost as good as a uh, Bane of Progress, but you don't get the stats at the end. You also don't lose your enchantments, though. True, you don't lose your enchantments, which is important because your mana doublers are enchantments. Uh, <laughs> except, of course, for Regal Behemoth. Uh, in terms of Blink cards, I talked about a few, but uh, there's Ephemerate, Eerie Interlude, and Cloud Shift as instance, but there's also a lot of creatures that function as Blink spells, so uh, we are running Felidar Guardian, we are running Emil the Blessed, and then with that, there's cards like Fiend Hunter and other cards that really benefit from being Blinked because you essentially get to cheat how they're supposed to work. I love Bane of Progress so much, and I'm... <laughs> Because I know what pisses Jeff off. It's I, I'm rarely card. playing these those cards anymore. The Eldrazi it's really only against the Eldrazi. If yeah, Bane of Progress it. against the Eldrazi is is a big problem. Any other deck can can usually weather it. Um, besides maybe the coin flippers, but uh, <laughs> they'll they'll have their day sometime soon. If you do end up pairing, uh, doing any sort of ETB deck, whether it's Halana and Livio or any other thing in Selesnia, you got to play Aura Shards. It's a disgusting card. It's gross. Every time any creature enters, even even tokens, it's madness. <laughs> Felidar Retreat and Sandworm Convergence, I both really like in this deck because that is just passive creature generation. And so without spending mana, you're getting Halana triggers and you're making blockers. So it doesn't matter as much if you have to take a turn where Livio's just exiling things and doesn't put anything back because you'll have all these tokens to sort of fill out that space. I think there's a very similar enchantment that you, like, enchant a land and you can tap it to generate, like, a 6-6 six, six or something? Uh, true. I don't remember the name of it at the moment. I don't either. Uh, I know that's not technically free, but one mana yeah, for, you know, 6-6. It, yeah, six, yeah, it's like... Pretty good. It's a, it's a good trade. Uh, yep. I, I will certainly find that afterwards and add it to the deck because I like it a lot. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting enough enchantments here where Bane of Progress is becoming a questionable include, but I'll keep them around for now. <laughs> He's like your 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 break glass for for emergency. That's that's when everything has gone wrong and you just need a, a, to to wipe. Yeah, I would like to highlight uh, one more kind of funny card that I found while I was looking for good candidates for this deck. Uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier Coal Hauler Swine, which um, deals damage to every player, including yourself, uh, whenever it takes damage. Um, turns out there's actually a card from Fate Reforged, our very first block. That uh, can turn any creature into a Kohar Swine for the low, low price of three mana. Uh, this card is Arc Bond, and it is somehow a rare. I, I don't know <laughs> how they thought that was a good idea. But it's three mana instant with choose target creature. Whenever that creature is dealt damage this turn, it deals that much damage to each other creature and each player. Whoop. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it also wipes the board, which is nice, especially if you have, you know, Brash Taunter out, <laughs> mm -hmm. or <laughs> something else equipped with the Blazing Sun Steel, and maybe a Dark Steel Plating. The art is also pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, you might want to run Avacyn Oak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you might be right. <laughs> I, I got white for here for a reason. I think I, I should probably take care, uh, advantage of that. I yeah, think, give, right. give your medics a break. <laughs> nah, <Yep. laughs> remember, anything that white can do, green can just do better. Just hit them with the heroic intervention. Six, six mana less, instant speed, you're good. Yeah, it's true. So uh, it's something I wanted to bring up when Oak was going over a couple of his sneaky ways to kind of get things out of the graveyard, uh, selfless spirit, um, giving things indestructible, that sort of things. We have a we have an answer for that, and it's fifty cents. 
And it's Oversimplify. For all of you green and blue players out there, this is a spell you should be running more of. It's a green, blue, and three from one of the Strixhaven commander decks. Exile all creatures. It doesn't matter what the rest of the text says. That's enough. It gets rid of everything. <laughs> it gets rid of Hofri. It gets rid of anything else. And then each player creates a 0-0 green and blue fractal token with 1-1 one, one counters on it, equal to the total power of creatures they control that were exiled this way. Ooh. They get one creature. Everyone has one creature. You can deal with one vanilla creature, but it gets rid of all of the nasty effects that are on the board. Run oversimplify. Kind of like. Additionally, that. if you want to find another less radical way of dealing with everyone's reanimation packages or everything... Ground Seal is a great card. I'm, uh, I had it in this deck at one point, but I ended up cutting it, uh, which is just an enchantment where ETB draw a card. Cards in graveyards can't be the target of spells or abilities. Just, no, you may not resurrect those creatures. They stay there. <laughs> All right, I got one for you. Just run uh, Rest in Peace. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you could run Rest in Peace if you were... Isn't Rip super expensive? No, nah, I think it's cheap. only like 10 bucks. It's okay. come down. It's come down a lot. Yeah. Man when it was back in our day <laughs> yeah because it turns out it's actually usually more advantageous to just abuse the graveyard yourself than mm. shut your opponent off abusing the graveyard yeah in most situations chev i really hate oversimplify because like blue and green cards should not be doing that that no that they shouldn't not, that but now not that they're here domain. i had never <laughs> heard of this card that's insane like it is ridiculously good, and it just gets... I think people get scared. It's like, oh, no, I got rid of a board state. They now have a 40-40, and it's like, yeah, but you probably have, like, a 2-2, and that 40-40 doesn't have trample. <laughs> so it, it gives you another turn cycle to deal with something. It gets rid of all creatures. It doesn't help us now, but we know that blue is not doing this effect anymore. That effect being actually removing a permanent and replacing it with something else. That's been taken out of blue's colored pie in the most recent edition. Instead, we're going to see more enchantments that transform. Because the idea is like blue is a magic that wears off as opposed to things like Raven Form or Resculpt where they get rid of the permanent and replace it with something else. Even though the existing logic prior to this change was blue changes into known objects whereas red can transform into anything but that is being changed. Blue blue in the sense of like you transform it, it is a 1-1 one, one flyer as opposed to spin the roulette wheel, chaos warp. It is a 3-3 three, so three frog. Polymorph is no longer blue but we're also no longer seeing these effects. However, one has snuck out into the wild. It is up to you to play it. <laughs> yeah, I, I would hate to see the moment where someone's like, okay, oversimplify. I, I'm, I'm really happy for you for having your 40-40 pongify. Great. Now that we're done here, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing I think that's interesting about oversimplify is that you get one of these huge fractals too. So if you have a bunch of things, mm -hmm. you will have a large thing. Uh, which you could potentially use to attack, maybe if it has haste. Also, blue just happens to be the color that's really good at, you know, bouncing things. And <laughs> when you bounce a token, uh, it just Dies. bounces forever. <laughs> it really bounces. Bada yep. bing, bada boom. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> built for synergy. Wait, uh, is Oversimplify six or more mana? No, it's five mana, unfortunately. But that's the sacrifice we're going to make for a board wipe. That's fair. <laughs> that, seems hey, worth it. That's fair. I was just curious if you were doing some genuinely degenerate trash. But yeah, oversimplify <laughs> is my call out. Um, and then I think probably the only other card I specifically want to mention is Azuri's Predation. Ooh. It recently got reprinted and is now dropped to $1.60 when it used to be like seven or eight. Eight mana, so above six for those math whizzes out there. 
Uh, for each creature your opponents control, create a 4-4 green beast. Each of those beasts fight a different one of those creatures. So a way to fill the board. Hopefully not all of your opponent's creatures will kill your beasts. And then you get all of the Halana triggers as well. So granted, you know, this is a large mana intensive thing. But at least my deck is trying to go most likely for the long game. Like our commander costs 8 mana. Uh, so we're, we're planning to be around for a while. Hopefully we have the mana to kind of utilize a couple of these two beasts teaming up on one eighty or something like that. So I think that's a real good card for a lot of different strategies. At a buck sixty, it's a it's a good pickup. Nice. I guess if if there's a pause, I will go into the heinous strategy that I did not include in my deck. But if you really wanted to make your opponent sad, it's something to include. <laughs> now Oakley, of course, is looking like oh no, what is it? He will be the one who likes this the most, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, so <laughs> we have this we have this Brian and Halana deck. Um, Halana cares about creatures entering, right? Brineland casting. We've gone over that. Consider Cascade. We've got Apex Devastator, Annoyed Altasaur, Ingenuity Engine, Maelstrom Colossus, Sweet Gum Recluse. All when they enter will trigger both effects you can do something with. But with something like Apex Devastator, four Cascade triggers, anything that comes in. This deck is just has so many cards that cost six plus mana. You could get up to like four or five Brineland triggers off a single creature for 10 mana. And then, of course, that's even before you get to the fact your board now has five massive things. So Cascade, of course, continues to do broken things with cast triggers. We knew this, but it's good to remind people every once in a while. <laughs> um, I will also throw a broken strategy out there. Uh, I'm running Ivy Lane Denison because, you know, we have a bunch of green creatures entering the battlefield. Putting 1-1 one, one counters on them is just a good idea in general. Um... Devoted Druid is not a bad mana dork. <laughs> Why not toss Presence of Gond in there? Now that you've got infinite creatures, you've got infinite ETPs, so you may as well just finish this off with a little juge of Ashnod's altar. You can now clear your entire opponent's board and have infinite one ones left. You know. <laughs> we're here to give you the spectrum, right? We're here for the we're here for the fun thematic decks, the the joys you have with friends, and then we're here to make sure you walk home from game night with no friends. I did not include that, to be clear. I am not doing this. I cut <laughs> Devoted Druid in Presence of Gond and never put the altar in. So there's obviously optimizations. I definitely tried to keep it at a lower amount because I was thinking, you know, you're picking up these uncommon commanders. You're trying to do something a little interesting. Let's keep it at a level where these are cards that people have as opposed to the ultimate version of each. So we are running like the the lower cost equivalents, like no no um, Crater Hoof. We're running End Race Forerunners that sort of thing. Give you the same sort of style, but you have the ability to upgrade it as you wish. I did take the opposite approach. I just sort of built it as I saw <laughs> fit and decided, you know what? If someone doesn't want to pay $50 for Solitude, they can find another creature that goes in that spot. <laughs> they get what the point of that slot is for. And like, cards like the Great Henge. Dude, just just run Celestia Signet instead. It's not. You'll live. <laughs> like, it'll be fine. <laughs> The Great Henge, though, it falls into that nice category Julie mentioned of cards that redraw you a card when a creature enters yeah. the battlefield. It's true. It's probably the most expensive example amongst yep. those, but... $40. Yeah. It's there. $40? Yeah. Holy crap. Yep. Selesny Signet doesn't do that, but it also means that you can buy you and your entire table of pizza as opposed to having... <laughs> Your friends be like, why Dude, the fuck are you playing the Great Henge? Please go you, home. You could buy, like, you and your entire table, like, two to three, like, large, well-toppinged pizzas for 40 bucks. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. 
Uh, uh, see, I'm always including wings baseline, which is an expensive ad. That's true. I mean, it, it, de- it depends where you're going. Like, I had Domino's the other day, and I got uh, a medium pizza and I think wings for like, I think it was like 25 bucks or something, nice. which is not bad. Mm-hmm. Also, you know now I mean? that we're talking about Domino's, they don't sponsor us. So the podcast is over. <laughs> <laughs> Unless Domino's wants to sponsor us, in which case we'll talk. Oh, yeah, for sure. I could talk about how much I love Domino's all day, every day. But we won't unless they pay us. Exactly. This is their free shout out. This is the this is the free sample. This is the taster. Exactly. Exactly. All right. On that note, do we have any uh, final magic related comments that people want to make about their decks? Nope. <laughs> um. I mean, I covered everything. There's plenty of other cool cards that I could mention, but like, I don't want to just list off my whole deck list. People right, can see right. it in, yeah. in the in the description. People <laughs> will have the decks in the descriptions. We'll link them, but. That's it for, for all of our different deck lists. Uh, you can find us everywhere at the Hex Drinkers, and that's about it. Hell yes. <laughs> Peace. Yeah. Sure. I mean, we can go into the whole thing. I just realized. No. We- oh, support us on Patreon. Thanks. I was at the slowest countdown of all time. That was also I was a close one. Sure. I uh, did not have it up. It was minimized, but at two, I was like, hmm. You didn't have uh, your finger on the trigger, man. I, I got to be it. honest. We- <laughs> a big part of me was concerned that we were going to go on one instead of on go. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be a second behind everybody. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's so horrible. As if I can't just clink over your track and it is annoying in the end like, anyway slightly annoying anyway trevor you just figured out in the beginning just figure that shit out in the beginning yeah why don't you just figure anyway. your shit out and begin julian <laughs>